I'm really horribly uh, sad this morning. And in the game of uh, radio and podcasting, I don't know that you're really supposed to share that fact. I'm sad because living life on repeat um, and living Groundhog Day, it saddens me. And not to mention the fact that 13 of our brothers and sisters were shot. 10 of our brothers and sisters were killed. And it's, I mean, and again, I get it. That's just a weekend in Chicago. It's a weekend in Milwaukee. It's, it's even actually, it's, it's kind of a down weekend for murders and deaths in those cities. It doesn't make anyone less dead. And it turns out that, yeah, the killer uh, described himself as a racist. And Monday, I talked about the fact that the media rushed to, he was white, he was white, he was white. And I was sickened by that. And I said on Monday, it may well turn out that he was a racist. Well, he says he is a racist. But the very predictable events around this just to me indicate how utterly fallen our world is. The figurehead who can stop nothing because he controls nothing. Who can comfort who exactly? The only people that Joe Biden can comfort by flying today to Buffalo are people who have no idea what the killer expressed. And the media is going to do everything they can to not let people know what the killer has expressed. They, they, they lied about it immediately, tying it to Tucker Carlson. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the media influences that this guy had. And I learned about it because I will not read their manifestos. I'll read coverage of their manifestos from people I trust, like Glenn Greenwald. Glenn is continuing to be the most important journalist working today. He, look, uh, he, he took a very deep dive into this guy's manifesto and found out that he not only stole part of it from the Australia killer, um, plagiarized it, but that it's nothing like what the Mockingbird wants us to believe, Mockingbird Media, or for that matter, Liz Cheney wants us to believe. But I am filled with sadness that a senile old man is going to be carried down there in a jet plane that's not his, that's ours, to Buffalo. And he's going to walk about and do what that man has always done. He's going to divide. This is the guy who lied. The Republicans are going to put you back in chains. This is the guy who is a stone cold racist. You can't be racist and say things like, if you don't vote for me, uh, you, you ain't black. That's a racist statement. All black people must, meaning if they don't, they're not. Strikes me as racism. And of course, the, the predictable part of this as well, and, and we've all, you've all, you guys were ahead of, you guys saw this instantly. We all did. The, the massacre where the guy ran down a bunch of people in Wakusha in Christmas time. Remember that with his, uh, with his SUV, the assault SUV? That's gotten almost no coverage. And of course, in Buffalo, it's wall to wall. Incidentally, that guy, black nationalist, also probably in a form of crazy. In a society devoid of meaning for many people, and it is devoid of meaning for many, many people, the, 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 the generation coming after Gen Z, they express difficulty inventing a reason to get out of bed. They express difficulty inventing a reason to go engage in life because they have with them a sense of meaninglessness because, of course, all meaning has been taken from them. And we'll talk about that because that, to me, is the true tragedy in all of this. If you have a meaningless life, you will invent anything you can to give life meaning because we are meant to have meaning. We were designed to have meaning. We're designed to be on a mission. 
We're designed to rejoin the family of God is what we're designed for. We're designed to be a body. We're designed to be one body. We're designed to be that in love. And when a portion of the body hurts, the rest of us are to hurt. That meaning has been taken. We're designed to minister to one another. That meaning has been taken. That meaning has been taken by big government, by the party. And I open the show by all the ways the party is making mental health worse. And the guy who's at the head end of, as the figurehead of making mental health worse with the lockdowns, with everything, I don't need to go back through the litany. We all know it is going to go down and provide comfort to the mockingbird media. That's who he's comforting. So they can continue the mirage that this was about conservatism when he loved Rachel Maddow. But it's not about Rachel Maddow. I don't hold Rachel Maddow responsible for what her her adherents do unless she tells them to do it. Now, she should she suggests it constantly. The stakes are so high that a Republican tax bill will kill 100 million people. No, it won't. The deaths that are occurring, the all-cause mortality increases that we talk about on the show, and, and, and frankly, no one in the Mockingbird media has ever paid any attention to other than, other than Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram on occasion. Even that has to be carefully dealt with. So the media is going to play the same game, and this is what tires me. And it's so it's so cemented in their behaviors that now the Fouch, <laughs> Tony Fauci, who is incidentally running, he is promoting Trump's uh, reelection. The Fouch <laughs> apparently wants. Uh, President Trump back in office because he's promising to leave the White House. And incidentally, he doesn't work in the White House. He runs the White House's thinking on all things health. Well, no, that's not true on all things pharma. But he's promised to leave if, if President Trump is reelected. The Fouch did an interview with an organization called The Root. This is a, a publication aimed at liberal black Americans and statist authoritarian black Americans. And in his comments, the Fouch informed people, well, uh, black, uh, black Americans are not safe from COVID. Uh, They're not as safe uh, as as white people. (laughs) The cynicism it's 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 mind blowing yet it's completely predictable. He and his dear friend Liz Cheney are tied together in this. And once again, the flat footedness of the complacent, stupid half of the party, the scheming half of the party. They have no response. (laughs) They're in duck and cover, make it go away mode. They know how the leftist portion of the party. Mitch McConnell knows how his dear friend, Joe Biden, is going to play this. He knows how his dear, dear friends across the aisle will leverage this. And there's no response. What would the response be? He can't speak about mental health because mental health, the destruction of mental health indicts the entire pharma industry, which is medicalizing everything. The increase in teen suicide attempts and, and expressions of suicidal intent and depression and anxiety, the LID factor, Loneliness, isolation, depression, the three things that mental health professionals who actually give a hoot about people track pegged across Mitch's lockdown. 
And let's not pretend that Mitch wanted anything other than the lockdown or he would have pressured for it to stop. So he can't come out and speak to the mental health component of all this, which is self-evident if you read the, the, the analysis of or snippets of this guy's manifesto as Glenn Greenwald went through and will get through. So we have no response from the complacent, lazy, scheming part of the party, but we've got full frontal assault on this from the leftist portion of the party. That's the more evil portion of the party. Liz Cheney joining with Fauci on this, that now it's now it's it's COVID is tied to this. And it's mental health violence. The Lord, the person Idge, the entity, the God, the only God, to whom we're called to return. All so many of these people have had stolen from them an opportunity to know the Lord, to understand that the God of the universe knows them, has counted the hairs on their head. He will pursue them. He will, at the risk of the 99 sheep that are with him, he will go and look for the one sheep that is lost. I was praying this morning about this program because I'm so sad. Luke 12, six through eight, are not sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges, publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. There's this form of mental illness that is uniquely urban and uniquely tied to the black community. Now, hear me very clearly, please. I am not saying that there is a mental illness that only affects black people. Nor am I saying it exists because they're black. Nor am I saying it absolves gangsters of their crimes or black mass shooters, because there are black mass shooters, as we all know. And this is a theory. It's not concrete but there's all this sort of meaninglessness. There is this meaninglessness of growing up being told on a daily basis that as a young black man, your sole hope in life is a 60, 70, 80 year old, demented and corrupt woman named Hillary who is married to a corrupt, sex abusing, rich through graft and greed and theft man named Bill, although the marriage is very loose, so to speak. That's your hope. You think of the potential power in every human form because of our ability to tie our branch to the tree of the Lord, to do things that bear fruit because apart from him, we may have fame, we may have worldly money, but there's nothing we can grow of real consequence unless we are connected to the tree. That is the Lord. And fundamentally then, of course, the rest of the body of Christ. But you, you picture the potential power, the potential joy, the potential contributions of a, of a young black man and take it back to the moment that young black man is born and he is a baby. Number one, he survives somehow being aborted. And Friday, I'm going to talk about this conversation I had with my beloved family member, her views on abortion far different from mine, but she taught me some things. That young boy somehow is able to survive the scramble of Planned Parenthood to kill him. Perhaps his mother somehow makes it through the Google blockage of pregnancy centers because the party's Google blocks and they de-emphasize and they hide in search results pregnancy centers which coach young women through pregnancy if they're single or they have no support, they, they, they are left alone 
They don't just coach them through the pregnancy. Excellent pregnancy centers also say, we're going to hook you up with aid. We're going to hook you up with parenting mentors. We're going to hook you up with access to jobs and training. We're going to be there through the life of this child. I know this because they have friends who work in pregnancy centers like this. The pregnancy is the beginning of a relationship that they will have last a lifetime through mentorship. Many of these centers, of course, are grounded in faith in God because they understand as we treat the least of these, so we treat, our, so we treat the Lord. So maybe a mom finds a pregnancy center. Maybe that pregnancy center helps her. Maybe then she gets into a church community that says, yes, 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 also, you are part of the body of Christ and we're going to help you. And that young boy is told, look what's happened. People have given us things because they want to, through choice, through love, because God Almighty said, we, care, um, we are to care about the least of these because we, in the eyes of the Lord, we are the least of these. And maybe that young man grows up in the midst of poverty. And maybe that young man grows up in the midst of gang violence. And maybe he grows up around people who are telling him, it's all been taken by Whitey. You can do nothing. You need Hillary. You need to have Chucky Schumer looking out for you or the great, great woman Liz Cheney or Tony Fauci making sure that you don't get a terrible flu. And maybe, maybe that young man doesn't give in because he has a grounding. He has a foundation in the word of God. He has a foundation in a family that has surrounded his mother. And perhaps that mother went on and she found a fruitful marriage and perhaps she found a man who would stand now with this young man. And if not, maybe he had male mentors. Those things happen every day. But they never make the media. Ben Carson has talked about this. Tim Scott has talked about occasions like this. It happens every day. But when society steals from young people, particularly poor young people, particularly poor black young people. The very notion, the very fact that God Almighty cares for them, it steals a significant chunk of meaning and significance of themselves, of who they are, of who we are. That's the urban story. What about the the suburbs story and the meaninglessness of the suburbs? Pete Townsend, what's called it, Sweet on Wee. Now, this is my wife's story to tell. And so I want to tread very, very carefully. First of all, I should point something out. My wife actually likes when people notice that she has dropped unwanted fat from her body. She, she is a woman who appreciates comp compliments like that. I, I like that about her that she takes those compliments and, and runs with them and is thankful for those. Um, she had a conversation with her nutritionist at Soda Weight Loss because she had some questions about the change in eating habits. And she was just curious, you know, like my feeling here that's natural. So she called, she's just out of the blue. Hey, I have a question. Boom. She's on the phone with the nutritionist. And the nutritionist says, hey, yeah, you know what? Congratulations on now going on, what is it, nine straight weeks of successfully dropping unwanted fat. The nutritionist listened to her and said, yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. Make the following change. Boom. Back into a place where my wife feels absolutely comfortable. Look, you can't, you can't expect to get into a healthy form of eating when the unhealthy had taken over and not have changes to how you feel. You have to expect this. Otherwise, uh, frankly, it's not working. And it was a day, boom. It was knowledge, boom. Why? Because soda stands for state of the art. Part of this is they've got such a wealth of knowledge. They started as one location in Dallas, Texas. Very quickly, they came to seven locations. And then it was from all over the southeastern United States that people started to come to them. There they are all in Texas. People flying from Florida, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, Tennessee to go to soda weight loss because of this base of knowledge. Now, that is if they're smart and they are, that builds on the success, right? It's a virtuous loop. 
they analyze their interactions with any and every client at Soda Weight Loss to say, how do we better ourselves? How do we make the dropping of fat more predictable? How do we make sure there's no hills or valleys so the body doesn't get into panic mode? My wife was so utterly thankful for the human interaction she had with the nutritionist at Soda Weight Loss. Absolutely, absolutely, I'll have her in to tell the story. I stand by these guys. If you got to drop unwanted fat, be it 150 pounds or 20, go to sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. So as the figurehead prepares to fly down to Buffalo today, or up, I guess, I think of it as north. I guess it's what, east? Direction doesn't matter. It's directionless. We go from my thought experiment on the urban growings up of a young black man. I can never be black, never approach it. Of course, I've lived in neighborhoods where I was one of two white people for, I don't know how many blocks, one of two white people in my neighborhood. I've witnessed the gang violence. I've witnessed the families. I've, I've, I've seen people killed, in other words, by drive-by shootings in my building. I've, I've been with black parents as they talk about the fear of their kids getting ganged up. When I worked in the government schools, had the same exact experience. Black parents sharing with me their deep concerns that their families would be sucked up by gang violence. Gang violence is structure. It is. Well, not the violence, but the gang is structure. It's predictable rules. It's like a, it's like a dysfunction. It's like the dysfunctional family. So what about the ennui? The boredom of the, uh, the suburbs. Everything we are feeding young people is fake. Everything. It's fake intimacy. Social media is fake intimacy. Kids get on their phones and they've got thousands of, quote, friends. But they cannot be intimate with them. Even in the sick forms of early sexuality, it's fake. You know, you have kids who are sexting, and I'm not saying that that just happens in the suburbs. Sexting is fake sex. It's fake intimacy and early sexuality for kids is counterfeit. It's surface level. It is feelings of the flesh. There, there can be no true real connection at that point, particularly when the party is busy telling kids have sex with everybody. Look, if you have sex with everybody, the meaning of sex declines. Ah, sure, yeah, you, you can get off, but the meaning of sex declines. You add to that the porn that is being injected into these kids' lives. Fake intimacy. In, in real life, hasn't up until this point operated the way porn does. In real relationships, you usually do not take your partner down a path of increasingly painful and demented and violent sex acts. And yet that is the path that all so many people are taken down with the, this, what I regard as the world's largest commercial for sex trafficking, Pornhub. That's the sort of meaning that we're feeding kids or left-wing activism in the government schools. You have meaning because you're angry. You have meaning because you stand, you stand up for, for people uh, who you don't know. You've not taken the time to get to know. You're standing up for a group. You've taken on the notion that you can stand up for an entire group of people you've never really taken the time to get to know. You're standing up for people who have a form of depression, of, of body anxiety, of body dysmorphia, and, and, and your way of standing up for them is, yes, yes, yes. Tell them, yes, your body is gross. That's your form of left-wing activism that is being shoved down in this fake meaning, and it can't fulfill. And insert into this politics as meaning. 
Do you remember a show I did on being addicted to politics? Like I was addicted to McDonald's when I would, when I paid, when I weighed 150 more pounds, I was so addicted to fast food. I, I mean, it was, it was like alcoholism. Drive to a McDonald's, get a double quarter, uh, quarter pounder fries, um, and a diet Coke, always the same double quarter pounder fries, diet Coke, big, massive diet Coke, eat it, hide that stuff in my car, drive to another McDonald's. Cause I wasn't going to order two bags or I would lie if I was busy and I needed to chunk down my 5,000 calories of goo, I would lie. Just show up to the drive-thru window. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? Yeah, hold on. Uh, let me see what my wife wants. Uh, well, hold on. I'll have a double quarter pounder with cheese, um, large fry, and a Diet Coke. Let me get my wife's order here. Oh, she wants the same thing. <laughs> like the kid at McDonald's or the young person or the adult at McDonald's cares that this 150-pound, too-heavy guy is really actually just getting those two bags for himself and he's going to pull over and chunk that down before he gets home. Politics does the same. That wasn't nutritionally feeding my body. The way kids and young people and many people consume politics, it's not knowledge seeking. It's not building a base of input on which to make decisions. It's not research. It's not even really reading. It's not even really proactive. I went this morning in search of the memo that led to the lockdown. It took me a long time to find it. And it happens that someone I follow on Twitter was on the same search. I wanted to read the memo that led to the lockdown. I wanted to read the Brownstone memo. The lockdown of schools. I wanted to go back and read what they said. Well, here's a quote. We don't need to exhaust ourselves searching for perfect solutions to address all these challenges associated with the second and third order consequences of school closure. There's a link to this right here in, in the show notes. Let me read that quote again. We don't need to exhaust ourselves searching for perfect solutions to address all these challenges associated with second and third order consequences of school culture uh, closures. What are the second and third order consequences? We're watching them. What does this have to do with my McDonald's addiction? That was research. That was seeking an answer. That was seeking an ability to come back to you and say, did they know what was coming? And I can tell you, they didn't care. It's right there. They didn't care. Likewise, I'm in a debate right now with a writer for the Seattle Times who used to be a reporter, Jim Bruner. Bruner contends that I promoted um, a conspiracy theory when I asked a question about forced um, quarantining of people with COVID in Washington state. Well, I asked the question. Bruner's own paper won't even research PCR tests and cycle thresholds in terms of reporting COVID deaths. So I did. What does this have to do with the McDonald's addiction? I'll explain it because it is to the meaninglessness of life the fake pursuit of mission that people like this killer in Buffalo, alleged killer in Buffalo, got sucked into. Just like the guy who tried to murder the congressman on the base field, baseball field got sucked in. It's not pursuit of knowledge. It's not even pursuit. These are people sitting here like hungry little baby birds with their mouths wide open. And guess who's feeding them? Guess who's feeding them? The um, people at Bonefrog Coffee. Oh, there are people. I mean, I talk about bonefrog.us a lot. That's where you get the 5% lifetime discount on a subscription plan. Um, and I talk about Tim Cruikshank, the owner. Uh, well, he's the CEO. He is the founder and CEO, 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. 
But the people at bonefrog.us are so very desirous of having a relationship with their customers. Every time we get a coffee order from Bonefrog, there's a note. Very often it's from Tim himself. I've told you before that we purchase Bonefrog coffee. We don't get it for free. Tim does pay us. Bonefrog pays us to introduce you to him. But we pay for the coffee. When my wife first ordered Bonefrog on subscription, Tim noticed the name. He assumed it was my wife. He was right. He wrote her a personal note to thank her for the partnership. Now, this weekend, my wife, she came to me and said, hey, I made a mistake ordering Bonefrog. I doubled up our order. I don't know if we're going to burn through that coffee. I'm going to have to figure out. Maybe we'll just say, I said, no, 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 no. Just email him. She goes, oh, I should call. I said, no, no, no. She goes, well, can you text him? I go, no need. Yeah, sure. I, I have Tim's text number. I could text him. No need. I've experienced their desire, their obsession with customer service. It makes sense. They recruited one of the biggest names in coffee, Dave Stewart, who is legend in coffee, to mentor the team at Bonefrog, including Tim, to even create one of their roasts. So if you're not taking the subscription plan on this, your time is now. Go to bonefrog.us. You get 5% 5 off for a lifetime. It's K-Cup. It's Drip. It's Espresso. All the delivery methods, all sorts of blends. And I've witnessed it many, 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 many times. People have written me and said, hey, you know what? I gave them the wrong address. My autofill put in my wrong address and I emailed them. I got a response immediately. They want to have a relationship with you at bonefrog.us. It's bonefrog.us. Here's the addiction tie-in. McDonald's and Burger King are super smart, particularly Burger King. Um, they blow that air out of their restaurants so that when addicts like me are driving by, we can't avoid smelling it. In fact, having been off McDonald's for a decade, I went back in and ate a breakfast sandwich one morning because I was late. And dang it, if I wasn't back there three days in a row telling myself lies, uh, no, it's different this time. It wasn't. They also, they, they, the, 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 the kitchens that create their food are chemist-based. They're chemists. They know exactly the portion of the brain that they need to tickle. They know exactly how to make the food addictive. That's their job. I stopped going. I recognized, man, this, it hit my brain. I think the second I have that food, I'm in. I want more. I have to be really careful with Twitter this way. I get sucked into the dopamine hit of arguing. Like last night, I was going to bed praying, please help me love this reporter at the Seattle Times, Jim Bruner. Lord, please help me love Jim Bruner. Because we're in this debate. And because I don't want the dopamine hit. I don't want to get into the back and forth. The addiction is this. In a meaningless, in a life where meaning has been stolen, where the meaning of ministering, where the meaning of you're on a path to save your soul, you're on a path to rescue people from the wages of sin. You're on a path to draw people closer to God Almighty. You're on a, a trip to a destination where you will walk again with God. You are a being beloved by the creator of everything you see. He loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. This has been stolen from them. The meaning of toil. The meaning of, yes, I built that. The meaning of using your hands to construct a thing, which is very, very biblical. The meaning of work that is beyond just, you know, just, just job a day, dollar a day, dollar an hour, $15 an hour has been stolen from these people, replaced with video games, the, the, the growing up of kids, of, of young boys rolling around in the dirt and wrestling each other and, and learning to box has been stolen with esports. Don't tell me my kid's not an athlete. He's a, he's a champion at esports. It's all fake. It cannot fulfill. So they need more volume of it. 
and they're like tiny little birds with their mouths open. And here's the party. Oh, here's some outrage. It's called white privilege. Open up, little bird. Open up. Here's here's some outrage. Open up, little bird. Eat your outrage. Good little bird. And it hits the little bird system and the little bird goes, I have meaning. We put God at the center of the podcast. Because part of talk radio is outrage pushing. Oh, it is. It's part of the game. We are on a mission, guys. To put God at the center of the discussions of societal happenings, of political manifestations and schemes, to keep our eyes on the kingdom prize. Because we're not going to be little birds with our mouths wide open saying, feed us more outrage. This manifesto, right? It's, it's algorithm fed. Just like this, just, just, just Glenn Greenwald digging into this piece, this, this, this kid wrote that was plagiarized. This is Glenn's piece. The headline is solid and it goes through the entire piece. The demented and selective game of instantly blaming political opponents for mass shootings. He goes through the softball shooting. He goes through the fact that that guy was a 66-year-old who little bird-like opened his mouth and said, I haven't done much in life. Feed me meaning. And he opened his mouth and the party dropped into that. Republicans are killing 100 million people with their health care plan and, and Republicans are murdering. And, and he opened up his mouth and he, and he and just dropped by drop. Mm, 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 mm. Dopamine hit, dopamine hit. He started to post to angry Facebook pages. Dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. And he needed more. So he started to do more posting. Dopamine, dopamine, hitting his brain. Oh, it felt good. Now I have meaning. And then he decided to take the ultimate meeting and go to a baseball game and try to kill congressmen because in his mind now, and imagine the high he had. Now I have meaning. Look what I am doing. Look how I will be remembered. I will not speak his name. He goes through other instances of this. And then he gets down to the buffalo killer. And he gets down to this description of himself. And he called himself a racist. Fair enough. He also called himself a left-wing authoritarianism or authoritarian. He also said conservatism is dead. Thank God. He spelled with a small G, G-O-D, small G-O-D. He also described what some people call as replacement theory. That is that white people are becoming extinct through health and through replacement by, in the nomenclature of the party, black and brown people coming into the country. Well, white people aren't necessarily being replaced, but there's no doubt we have open borders. Would it be better if it was Russians? It is when you've been fed outrage your whole life. When this is the meaning, that this is the pill he swallowed probably when he was a conservative. Those of us who are Christian conservatives, keep in mind that God Almighty created every human and it was good. Every so-called race or tribe or every, phys- every, every person with a physical characteristic like another group. We keep in mind that God Almighty loves them just as much as they lo- he loves us. And in fact, we are us. This is Glenn Greenwald. In the manifesto, the Buffalo Killer described himself as a left-wing authoritarian and populist. On the political compass, I fall in the mild, moderate, authoritarian left category, and I would prefer to be called a populist. He heaped praise on an article in the socialist magazine Jacobin for its view that cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are fraudulent scams. He spoke passionately about the, of the centrality and necessity of environmentalism. He lamented the state has long since heavily lost its, uh, to corporate backers. 
He ranted against corporate profits and the ever-increasing wealth of the 1% that exploit the people of their benefits. And he not only vehemently rejected any admiration of political conservatism, but made clear he viewed it as an enemy to his agenda. Conservatism is corporatism in disguise. I want no part of it. What, what parts of this, do we, with, with what parts of this do we disagree? I'm not an authoritarianism or an authoritarian. Are you? I don't like authoritarianism. Do you? Constitutional Christian populism. Count me in. Count me in. Constitutional Christian populism. Count me in. Does that mean a Christian nation, a theology? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You cannot be a Christian and say, force other people to be Christians. You can't do it. Can't be done because it's not the model Christ walked. Christian people in leadership, count me in. But this is it. That's him. This is him. That's a one-dimensional person. His life was consumed by this because he was consumed by it, is my bet. From, from understanding what he wrote in the manifesto, that's my bet. How many people have been taught, you're not someone of the same-sex attraction. You are gay, all caps, G-A-Y. That's it. That defines you. That's everything about you. Gay, 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 gay. How many people define themselves as black, all cap, black, 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 black? Well, there's people who define themselves as white, 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 white. I'm trans, 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 trans. Little baby birds with outrage. Yummy, 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 yummy. I have meaning. I have a label. Now I have meaning. Remember that young black boy who would become a black man we talked about? Remember we were amusing on the, the moment of his birth? All that potential love? This young man had that same potential at one point. Organic mental illness, maybe. Environmental, I bet completely on environmental. So is it a racism thing? He says so. He certainly went and targeted black people. Well, does it matter? It's an illness thing. It's a sin thing. It's being made to get worse. What is our defense? What is our defense? Oh, did you hear about Jacob Blake? Remember him? The Kenosha, Wisconsin led to the riots and Kyle Rittenhouse. Did you hear about him? Hold on. So uh, I'm sure the media will be all over this. Actually, in defense of the AP, they are. That's good news. AP wrote about something. Um, I'm going to say a word and track your emotional reaction to it. Ready? Retirement. I'm going to ask a question and track your emotional reaction to it. Are you ready to retire? If your immediate emotional reaction to that was a sense of satisfaction and, and, and solid joy, yeah, good to go. Well, then listen and learn about a company that joins you in this. If now your response was gut fear, like, yeah, I hate that topic. If you hate the topic of retirement and you're near retirement age and it's a financial thing, yeah, you could try to sweep that under the emotional and financial rug and it'll get better. Something will happen. Someone will do something. Something will change. Uh, it's really not that bad. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that bad. But you can also take affirmative action. Here's how. Call Bulwark Capital Management. 866-779-RISK. Okay, Zach and his team at Bulwark Capital Management, Zach Abraham, he joins us every Friday on the program. They're going to be absolutely honest with you about where you sit 
in terms of getting to retirement. You might be sitting far better than you think you are. In fact, Zach was talking to a bunch of people at Boeing because they were not going to stick around and be forced to shoot up with the um, medically useless, deadly, harmful mRNA injections. So they, they opted for early retirement. A bunch of people called and said, oh, I don't think we can do it. Over half of them are ready to retire already. They're done. In fact, I have emails Zach has sent me where, where uh, clients of his has given them permission. That man, Zach, I am so glad I reached out to you. It's so good to be retired. So the news might be better than you think it is. And by the way, if it's not, Zach's entire focus at Bulwark Capital Management is on risk management. Okay, getting you to retirement and building wealth, yes, that's important, but you can't build wealth if it's coming out the bottom end in losses. They're focused on risk management, bulwark capital management. So call and settle your mind. Knowing what you need to do means you can get it done. If you're in good stead, well, then you'll know that. Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Jacob Blake um, has dropped his federal lawsuit against the Wisconsin police officer who shot him. Attorneys agreed to dismiss the case with prejudice, which means Blake cannot refile it. No word on if a settlement was involved. I'm willing to bet that the city decided to pay a settlement just to get this out of the way. This is news. It should be big news. Because Wisconsin Kenosha burned. Because two child molesters are dead. Because one guy lost partial use of his arm, but was able to go shake hands with Joe Biden. Did you see that? The guy who tried to kill Rittenhouse with his Glock went to an event and it was apparently seen shaking hands with Joe Biden because he's a good soldier of the left. You can have plenty of meaning in life as someone who's an atheist. A friend of ours is a longtime listener to the show and a cop. And Mike has meaning in his life. Absolutely. But it's harder. In my judgment, it's much more difficult because in my mind, and you know where I come from on this, we are programmed to rejoin our family in heaven. And that meaning, that, that, that meaning it transcends study. I mean, you can study God, you can study intelligent design, you know I've done all this. But when you accidentally or incidentally joined together as the body of Christ. Oh my goodness, the power, the magic of this. Have you had this experience? If you have it, I hunger for you to have this experience. I'm praying about the fine touches on the speech that I'm going to deliver on Friday. Will God rescue America? And one story keeps coming back in mind to me. And I don't yet know how it fits into the speech. I don't yet know if I will tell it again. So if you're coming, maybe shut your ears because I might tell it again. It was Coraline, Idaho. We were young men. We were in the truck that looked like the Fall Guys truck. Very cool truck. We're driving through downtown. It's a cold night. And there was a young girl walking and hitchhiking. And we thought, this is really bad that she's hitchhiking this late at night. This is terrible. So we knew we could trust ourselves to not harm her. So we pulled over and we picked her up. And without question, she jumped up into the truck. She told us her name, which is Lori. Where are you going? Wallace, Idaho. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so a 40-minute drive. All right. Well, she's got to get home. We're driving the truck. Well, my friend Rory's driving the truck. Lori's with us. Lori loves the truck. She wants to drive the truck. She said, hey, I'll take my shirt and bra off if you let me drive the truck. I said, nah, it's not a good idea. Please don't. And shocking to hear a young girl say this. Even as young men, even as guys out admittedly drinking some beer that night. Very sad. 
And we went on our way to Wallace and she was describing where she lived. She lived upstairs from a bar with her mom. And this sentence resonated in my mind when we dropped her off. She, she said, hey, come up, come up and party with me and my mom. Come up and party. My mom's really young. Come up and party. No. I was chilled that this young girl was basically offering, I think, prostitution. And so we dropped her off. She was getting out of the truck. The truck was a high-rise truck. I, I touched her hand and helped her down. And she was about to shut the door. And I pledged to you, I did not plan to say this. It was the only time, I, I, it was the first time I ever, ever, ever spoke these words to somebody because they'd been spoken to me over a period of a year when I lived in my first active Christ falling, following Jesus needing discipled home. A woman I regard as my godmother said it to me every time I or my dear brother Matthew and I left her home. Releasing Lori's hand, she began to close the door in this town of Wallace, Idaho. And I said, hey, hey, Lori. She stopped. I said, God be with you. And it's one of those moments where time freezes. And what I got transmitting from her and coming into my heart was, he cares about me. Not just to do the sex. In fact, not to do the sex. He cares about me. That's been stolen from an entire generation of young people. And with it, the ability to have meaning that transcends all understanding and all planning. A godless society will yield godless results. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. You can always share the program with friends. Just hit the share button on your app and text it to people or email it to people. That's the biggest thing we need, frankly, is growth. Everything else the Lord is taking care of, but we can help each other on that. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and reinforce today and every day with your children, every hair on their head. The Lord is already counted. They are loved, they are valued, and God wants them to come home.